This is the Ezra podcast. And I'm coming to you the day after the Tyson Fury fight. Tyson Fury gets a win, 11th round. And it looked, uh, it looked similar to what I would, I broke it down. I didn't see Deontay Wilder landing the knockout. I didn't see that. I didn't see him almost finishing Fury. And he almost did finish Fury. And Fury was in trouble there. But there was a thing when Fury got dropped that you just had kind of confidence that he was going to get up. He was going to survive. And he was going to be better for it. And that's because that's who Tyson Fury is. He's exactly who he says he is. He's exactly how he acts. He's exactly what he is in the ring. There's no question about it. He's a fighter. He's a fighter through and through. He's comfortable. He reminds me of James Tony. Maybe that's not the comparison that people make with him. Maybe you don't get why I made that, but I'll explain. James Tony, at one point of his career, right, moved to heavyweight. When he wasn't big enough to be heavyweight, when he wasn't, his actual size is about 175. He probably should have been fighting at 175. He got all the way up to, you know, 195 pounds. Then went to heavyweight. And it was just all because he didn't want to run anymore. He didn't want to cut weight anymore. And he just said, I have so much skills. Why do I need to do that? I can just fight the big guys. And he did. And he became a, a champ, a heavyweight champ. And he fought a lot of good guys at the time and gave a lot of good efforts and was just good enough by his skill alone to compete with anyone in a heavyweight division. And that's what I was Tyson Fury. Because I don't think Tyson Fury was... 100%. I don't think he was the Tyson Fury that was in the second fight. I don't think he was as motivated. I don't think he was worked as hard in the camp. I don't, I don't believe that. I believe he was about 80, 70 to 80% going into this fight. And I think that everyone that supported Wilder would have to agree with that because that was the reason they gave going into this fight. They're like, Tyson Fury is not taking this serious. He's not training for this fight. He's struggling in camp. And I think that, that, that we did see some of that in this fight. I don't think he was as sharp as he was in the second fight. I, I, I don't. I think he struggled. I think his defensive movement was a lot slower. It was a lot. It was off. It was uh, the head movement was off. He really had to work his way into this fight. He had to work his way into the rounds. It looked more like uh, middle of camp sparring to me. And I just think that he was so confident because he had seen what Wilder can do. He's seen his capabilities and he said, I could beat this guy. And I'm bigger than him. And once I push him back, he will have no answers. And that's what he came with to do. So I don't think it was, I don't think it was uh, the best Fury that we've seen. No, I don't. I don't believe that. And I think you got a motivated Wilder, a very motivated Wilder, a Wilder that came with a game plan, with a strategy, with a lot of work in camp, with lots of proof. Now I think a major flaw that maybe not a lot of people are talking about is the biceps. He added too much muscles to his arms, and it was noticeable right away. And I thought it took a lot away from his movement and his punches, because Dante Wilder punches like a whip. He attacks like a cobra with his punches. He couldn't do that last night. His arms were too big. And it affected the movement of his punch, and it made him considerably slower. Now, he did come out with the strategy that I said that he should come out with. Well, he went straight to the body. Didn't allow Fury to get momentum going forward. And he did it in the first round. He couldn't come forward in the first round. He kept pushing him off his spot. Now, the energy that that took to his arms and what I told you that he was going to come out fast, he was going to come out aggressive, he was going to look to land big and really set a tone. I think Fury 
kind of just said like, okay, I'm going to fill you out. I'm going to let you work. I'm going to work in my rhythm and let you burn some energy. That's what he let him do. And that's what Wilder did. Wilder came and he did the right thing, but the energy and the muscle, too much muscles in his arms, too much muscles in his shoulders, it burned him out. And I think that if Wilder was dead tired about the second, third round, I think that it was, he, his arms were basically shot. And the heart that got him through wasn't just the punches. The heart was getting him through that his arms were dead tired. They were, they were heavy. The muscles were tight. And he was still working through it. But as I called in, Fury would be competitive Wilder, first two rounds, first few rounds, and then he would start pushing him back. And as he started pushing him back, he gets caught with a humongous right hand, and it puts him down. He gets up. Wilder roughs him up, hits him again, puts him down again. It looks like he's in trouble, but you've seen Wilder get survive massive shots from Dante Wilder. And he gets up, and you, I felt like confidence, like he's going to get up, and he's going to be all right, and Wilder might blew his load even more. And that's pretty much happens. From that point on, he just kind of pushes Wilder back. Now, Wilder has his moments because he has a lot of heart. He hits very hard. And he was he was focused. He was focused on the fight. Now, he was dead tired. And at one point, the corner kind of just turned into, you know, when you land the big shot, you're still in there. If you land the big shot, you can end this. But I don't necessarily blame them for that. I don't think that that's their fault or, you know, that's not having a strategy. I just think at that point, there wasn't anything he was going to do tactically or he was going to have the energy to do other than wait for the big shot. It was basically just motivating him to get through the rounds, motivating him to stay focused, motivating him to not give up. And I don't think Wilder ever thought about giving up in this fight. He really meant what he said, don't stop the fight in the last one. He really meant it. There's no question. He never looked out, looked out in this fight. And I know the fight was competitive, but I did think, before the knockdown, I was like, I might, you know, if a trainer was there who, you know, wasn't worried about offending Wilder, might look to say, like, hey, we might need to stop this fight. And the doctor looked at him because at points he was getting hit with massive shots. And he was taking them, but you can't just get hit with massive shots. And I've seen people say, well, you know, people get hit with shots all the time. You, know, you can't just say... The part where people get hurt and and die in the ring is when you could take the shot without getting knocked out, but you just keep taking the shot. You keep taking the thuds to your head. That's where it gets dangerous. And that's what was kind of happening in this fight. It was getting dangerous. But Fury eventually ends the fight because Wilder is just, he's out. His legs are done. He's too heavy. His arms were too heavy, too much muscle. And he's no longer able to really even protect himself, to get his arms up to protect himself. And Fury lands a big shot. Overhand right. Ends the night. Fight's over. The trilogy's over. But, I mean, what an amazing end to this trilogy. And if ending that I didn't see coming. I didn't see this fight being like this. This back and forth. And, you know, everyone said that, and me, I was frustrated a little bit when this fight was happening. I never thought that Wilder didn't deserve this fight because it's in his contract. He should get what he deserves, right? If it's in his contract, then yes, he should get it. But I wanted to see Fury Joshua. And everyone and people were saying, you know, it's bad for boxing, right? That we're not going to see Fury Joshua. We got to see him fight Wilder and Joshua fight Usyk. And we got an excellent fight out of Joshua Usyk. And then we would have not got 
Fury versus Wilder in the third one that ended up being an absolute classic. That would have been bad for boxing. So to say, oh, we didn't get that, that's bad for boxing, you don't know how it's going to play out. We don't know these storylines. Andy Ruiz beating Joshua was a humongous storyline that was great for boxing. So you can't say because we don't get one thing that that's bad for boxing because you don't know how it's going to play out. Now, I want to see the best matches possible, but Wilder versus Fury end up being one of the best matchups possible. And Usyk versus Joshua could be the best two heavyweights. In either fight, you could have the best two heavyweights fighting each other. These fights are settled in the ring. They're not settled by us talking about them. Now, I enjoy hearing people talk about them, but I want to see them settled in the ring. And Fury, I mean, and Wilder had a, a rightful claim to this match. And he came motivated to do it, and we got a great fight for it. But all that being said, right, and I know we're talking about how great Fury is, and we're talking about, you know, Joshua got exposed, and we're saying now Wilder, he's done. And Usyk, when he, everybody was talking like, I don't know if Fury would be able to outbox Usyk. And now that everybody's saying, well, no, Usyk, uh, Usyk has no chance against Fury. I think Fury at 100%, when he's motivated, I think he's the best heavyweight. But discipline is a skill. And I think that that Fury last night would have lost to Usyk. The Usyk we saw against Joshua. I think that Fury last night would have had trouble with Anthony Joshua, if I could be honest. And I started to think that Anthony Joshua, who I kind of always kind of leaned him towards Josh, uh, I mean, on Wilder, who I kind of leaned against him over Joshua, the Wilder I saw last night would have lost to Joshua. I believe 100%. I think Usyk would have been Fury last night. That Fury, that wasn't 100% Fury, not a sharp Fury. I, I don't think, I think Usyk would have won that fight. I think Joshua would have been a lot of problems for Fury last night. And Fury's discipline and the work ethic and how he comes into the fight is going to be the biggest thing to weigh him down. And I don't mean that as a pun. But we could, you know, it could play out where Joshua beats Usyk in the rematch. And he gets Fury. And he gets the Fury that we saw last night. And I, I would favor him in that fight if that's the Fury that pops out. If it's that Fury that doesn't have the, the his head movement down, doesn't have his move, you know, maybe too heavy, not 100% shape, got to get his legs going. The one thing about Joshua is he always comes. He's always ready to fight. You can never say, oh, he's out of shape this fight. Now, he slips up. Yes, he fights tough competition. He got his questionable chin. But he's always there to fight. He's always in shape. He hits hard. I never like, oh, he looks sloppy this fight. I never see that. I never see that. Fury looked a little sloppy last night. So we don't, I, I think Fury right now is the number one heavyweight. I think he's the heavyweight champ of the world. In my eyes, not looking at the belts. I don't care about those belts. I think he's the best heavyweight in the world. I think Usyk is number two. I think him and Joshua are going to settle. Usyk are going to settle it. And the winner shall fight Fury. But I'm not, wouldn't be surprised if at the end of this, Joshua still ends up on top over everyone. And it would be because Fury is not going to come in the motivated Fury. He's a wild man. He's unpredictable. 
You don't know what you're getting. He's a man, though, that counts on his skills and knows his ability. Knows he's been fighting for a long time. He's very comfortable in the ring. But Joshua, if he comes in motivated, he comes in shape, which he usually does, he would give him problems. Now, the Fury that beat Wilder, number two, untouchable. I don't think anyone beats him. No one I see in boxing right now, heavyweight division, can beat him. But I don't know if we're going to get that guy again. I don't know what guy we'll get uh, every night. You can't, you can't guess it with him. And to me, kind of coming in this fight like after one of those teams that won the Super Bowl and they come in the ne- next year and struggle to start the year. That's kind of what I saw from Fury. Now, whether he saw it, but to me, it takes kind of guy like Fury his confidence. It's like he just thinks I just got to show up and I could beat everyone. And I think that might cost him. The best guy heavyweight of this era is still up for grabs. Now, where does Dante Wilder go from here? And I think this is going to sound like a slight to him, but it isn't. I don't mean it a slight at all. I think Dante Wilder accomplished, to me, a lot of heavyweight. And I, I think that he could still, versus Yusuf versus Joshua, he could still beat them. Those are still toss-up fights. But at Wilder's age, right, I think that he could do something else. I, to me, that would be interesting. There's a Bridgerweight division that no one respects. I understand that. No one wants the belt. But I think Dante Wilder, at a 220-pound limit, may be unbeatable. And I think that he's a credible name. And I think that belt needs some credibility. And I think if Anthony Joshua went and won the Bridgerweight belt, and at the end of his career, goes on like a three- to four-year run defending the Bridgerweight belt, giving it credibility, building the division, and becoming world champ once again in this 220-pound limit. And we could get some good fights out of there. Akoli, Yusik, there's, there's good fights. Uh, Hunter, there are excellent fights to be made there. I, maybe Andy Ruiz can make that. There are some good fights to be made there. I think I'd be interested in seeing Dante Wilder getting the Bridgerweight title. Now, if you want and fight Joshua, I love that fight. I don't need any belts. I think this not get held up on belts. There's great matches that be had that just have them. I think if you give him versus Joshua, you do it in England, you do it here, it's a humongous fight. You do him versus Andy Ruiz, it's a humongous fight. You do him versus Joe Joyce, a humongous fight. Him versus Yusik is a humongous fight. I think him and Fury are done. Now, unless they both go on two runs and then they end up meeting again, then sure. But right now, I, I don't see it. But I don't want to count out Wilder saying like, oh, well, you know, that's it. He's exposed. He's not exposed. He fought Fury, and Fury was the better man of them. But that's okay. That's a matchup. That's a style that Fury brings. That's the attributes he brings, the... The size, the speed, the, the you know, all that, it, it, it beats Wilder, okay? The, right there, when those two match up, he's better. Fury's better. That doesn't mean everyone's better than Wilder, okay? That doesn't mean that. And we have some weird thing where we want to eliminate guys. I don't know, only sport do you want to eliminate guys. It's like if Patrick Mahomes lost the Super Bowl. He lost the Super Bowl to Tom Brady. It's like, well, Patrick Mahomes is done. I don't want to see him no more. It's, it's dumb. Why do we want to take away talent? Why do we want talent not to be on the screen anymore? It doesn't make sense. If he wants to fight any of these guys, I want to see it. And no titles, with titles, it doesn't matter. All you're doing is building a resume. That's the most important thing. I put a thing on Twitter where it was just all the heavyweights and their, their, their most notable wins. 
and didn't have to put the belts. It didn't matter who the belts. Everybody wanted to talk who they beat. That's what it is. So this is stupid mentality we have with the belts or he needs a belt. They don't need anything. But if he did want to go the belt route, I think Bridger was the way to go. Because it's a new division, because it'd make history, and it would build credibility. And Dante Wilder has credibility like that. That I think people will respect it and want to see it. On the undercard, you had uh, F.A. Ajabe versus Frank Sanchez. And Frank Sanchez, athleticism, wins the day. Now, I told you that Frank Sanchez's key to victory was he had a counter. Because F.A. leaves a lot of meat on the bone. And uh, Frank had to eat that up. And he did. And you know what? For I had picked F.A. Ajabe to win a boring fight decision. But I always give a counter of like how the other guy can win it. And the counter was exactly what Sanchez did. He countered on the outside. And when he got on the inside, he worked a little bit. A lot of holding. But he was definitely the more active fighter. He raised his game. And he's kind of guy that looks better with better competition. Because, well, they bring out the class in him. And he's going to be trouble for a lot of fighters because he has very good legs. And heavyweight division is getting bigger, right? And it's just like... In basketball, right, when the three-point shots, right, are taking over the whole game. You got to shoot threes, got to shoot threes. And then the Lakers come and they say, well, we want to keep our size. Everybody says, get rid of centers. The center's no good. And the Lakers got three centers. And they go win a championship. They get big. They pound down the middle. They pound the rock. This is where it is. Everybody's big now, right? The whole division's huge. Then U6 wins the title. Now Frank Sanchez is a problem. And there's going to be a revolution of small guys. They move around the ring. There's always going to be a countering point to what the best thing is. And Frank Sanchez could be that. And he, he showed power because F. Bay Jabe is a big man that takes, to me, a pretty good shot. And he put him down. I thought it was very re- revealing for F. Bay about what he could do, really, and what his capabilities are and what his ceiling is. I don't think it's very high. I think he's actually very limited. And I can't see them, you know, trying to build him back up again. I think he's kind of got to match him tough. And there's a lot of heavyweights. It's, it's a... It's busy in the middle. There's guys, good guys at top, and it's busy in the middle as well. And all these guys are trying to figure each other out, like Kanaki, Hellenius. Uh, Andy Ruiz is still kind of there. He's, he's trying to propel himself back to the top, but he's kind of like the, the top of the middle guys right now. And I think he just keep F.A. with all those guys. I think he'd be a, a good, uh, you know, if they're trying to see what uh, Tony Yoka has, he might be the right guy for him. But I think Frank Sanchez is an interesting prospect. I think he's an interesting contender. Maybe not a prospect, an interesting contender now. And things he could do with his legs and all that is going to make him interesting. And I think that he showed me a little something, a little one notch up. I told you he had to show me one more gear. I thought, I thought I saw a little bit of it. Not exactly the most exciting fight, like I warned you. But it was, it was interesting storylines coming out, and you have an interesting fighter coming out of there, and it's interesting where they go next with him. And the fact that the PBC has them, and they have plenty of, you know, decent heavyweights. There's a lot they could do with them. Wouldn't mind the Luis, or- Luis Ortiz fight versus him. On the fight, on the another fight in the undercard, you have um, Helenus versus Kanaki, and Helenus gets the stoppage. Uh, once again, we actually get the DQ, but it, it was a stoppage. You know, uh, Kanaki was just looking to survive any, any way possible. And Helenus did the one thing that I said that he had to show, right? I thought he was going to lose this fight. Because what he had got the last fight was just kind of what Kanaki gave him. And I thought, and what I said, the counter was he had to gain some leg movement. He had to find a way to keep the distance in this fight. 
and he did. His legs look better than they've ever looked. I've ever seen him look for him when he fought. They were he was very he was way more balanced. His movement was intact. His waist was and his legs were intact with his upper body. And he was getting a lot of distance on his punches. And he was getting a lot of power on his punches because he was getting the right distance. And Kanaka didn't have any answer. Once he got hurt in the first round, he really was just stuck. All he could do was try to come forward. And because of Hellenius' legs, there was no work, there was there's no way he was gonna make up that ground. He didn't have the skill to do it, didn't have the ability to do it, and Hellenius was just picking him apart from uh, far away. Hellenius grew as a fighter. He's a better fighter now. And that confidence of getting that win and maybe getting the, the payday he needed and maybe getting the right attention and getting the right now camp that he needed, he looked damn good. And I think that he he's going to be in a little bit of trouble because he's so big. He's long. He has a lot of power. And if he could keep his legs as good as they were in that fight, He's a tough out for anyone. Kanaki, I think the way the levy broke. I don't think he could take a shot like he once could. I think people, I think he's just going to be a punchy bag for a lot of these guys. And as, as he gets with better guys and bigger guys who could really pop and don't just fold to pressure, he's going to have a lot of problems. I don't picture much for Kanaki going forward. I think there, there are still going to be some good fights for him, but I'm not like, I don't really consider him a legit contender to wait about anymore. And that's what these fights are. They're elimination. And I think him and uh, F.A. are kind of like in similar spots to me. Really limited. Could still lead to some fun fights. Could be some gatekeep. Could be a gatekeeper at this point. But I, I, I eliminated them from as a threat to the title. That, and I, not that I really had them there, but I couldn't eliminate them yet because they had not really shown me anything to say, you know, they hadn't lost yet or they hadn't. You know, they were still they were still doing things. They were still moving in a positive direction. So I can't say, well, no, they don't have to. I don't like to do that because sometimes you don't know. When they fight with better guys, and then they look better. Look at Frank Sanchez. I'm real low on Frank. I didn't think anything really too much of him. I thought he had some athleticism. I thought he was limited. But look, at, he looked better in that fight. And now he looks to me like kind of a threat. And he's kind of the opposite of what the heavyweight division has right now. Berlanga survives. Tough fight. And um, he's looking very limited as well. And his fame has out overreached his ability. It outgrew his ability. And now he's trying to play catch up. And they're going to bring him along against tough journeymen like that. And it's only going to get worse. And I see a lot of Jeff Lacey in him. I think Jeff Lacey accomplished more, but I see Jeff Lacey in him by just, you know, surviving on power alone. Um, you see him when he sparred uh, Lubin. That, you know, just he's not the level and skill, those type of guys like that. And maybe nor should he be right now, but it's kind of like the cat's out the bag and they kind of have to bring him along and you have to put him on TV and you can't hide him on the undercard. But I think that, you know, I think this is a guy that better is going to follow because they know the upset's coming and you're kind of just watching it. And it's just like interesting where they're going to match him next. He just he's he's a limited fighter, and I think that a lot of people kind of knew that there was excitement on him because he was knocking everybody out. Maybe his power with with you know override a lot of things he was limited in, but now his power just it's good, but it's not groundbreaking. It's not anything these guys haven't seen before. So now these journeymen who have been like I've been hit by really hard hard hitting guys are not really afraid of him. He pulls out the win, but struggles and kind of shows his limitations. We also had J-Rock on the undercard who ends up losing his fight. And this is another one of the guys that I was telling you guys at 154. You know, you get what happens is these divisions, they're stacked. 
And then suddenly, like that, one guy emerges and everybody else disappears. And that's what's happening. Tony Harrison struggled. Heard lost. Now J-Rock lost. And all those guys, all those names we had at 154, they're no longer there. And I know a lot of people are saying, all oh, these guys from 154 are going to move to middleweight and become world champ. Not that bunch. So it must be the next bunch. Because these guys, they ain't got it like that. And they're no longer what they once were. And they're no, they're, they missed their moment. Now, J-Rock was a world champ at one point. Got a big win over Heard. But I think those, those days of those guys being the guys, it's, it's past them. And they're going to turn more into what Robert Guerrero is now. And Devin Alexander and Victor Ortiz. That's what they're more going to be now. And that happens. It happens quick. You have all these names. You're like, look at how competitive this division is. And then suddenly, it's gone like that. And it's all new names. And that's what happened in 154. It was a just a great night of fighting. Great card. Felt like a huge card. I was saying boxing, when boxing's at its highest level, there's no sport that's higher than it. And if we continually put on big fights like this, boxing will blow up to a whole nother level. And not that it needs to, because boxing's at a really good place right now, but there is more growth in this sport that could be reached. And it's just how you match it up. And it's just how you promote it. And it's just giving entertaining fights and competitive fights. Because we have gone through a portion where we're not getting competitive fights. And I wouldn't say that this was like, you know, the best year for boxing that I've ever seen. Because it's not. And I think that there's been, you know, plenty of uh, dud cards put out there. Or cards that overperformed. But, you know, even if a card overperforms, going into it, it kind of needs some buzz for it to really catch anyone's eye. Because no one's going to tune in. It's okay to overperform, but if no one's tuning in... There's really no point. But fights like that, such as Fury Wilder, fights with Canelo Plant, you know, top guys of the division fighting each other. When it happens, it, you know, usually get really good results. When good fighters fight each other, you usually get good results, interesting results, and a lot of buzz. And that's just another example of it. Of what boxing could be. And MMA could be. You know what I mean? If the MMA. Which stays more on the model that I'm talking about. Where they, all the guys fight each other. That's why people tune in. Because they trust the product. And people stop trusting the product of boxing. But I think. When you see what it could be. People want to buy in. Thank you guys for listening. It's been the Ezra Podcast.